to have you on air with us. Brendan is the director of the Arena Fair Theater's production of Murder on the Orient Express. They've already had one amazing weekend so far, and we've got another one coming up right now. That's right. We're going to be there uh, this evening at 7 o'clock yes. and tomorrow evening at 7 at the Willis Theater. We're going to give so a lot exciting. more talk about that in the second half of the mm-hmm. show, so you will not want to miss it um, because it's just, I've heard so many wonderful things already. The the, the credits and the praises are rolling in. <laughs> yes. The press is on fire about it, and we can't wait to talk more about it in the second half of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Keep you waiting here. Exactly. That's your tease. That's your little tease for this morning. So, But in the first half, we're going to talk books like we always do. We're also going to give a little bit of love to the Delaware Hayes Pacers because tonight is game one of playoffs. And go I'm so, sports ball. We're Which very sports excited. ball is this again? Football. Oh, go football. Yes. Yeah, so I've got my I've got my Hayes gear on this morning. And I got to give love to my husband. He is the Hayes High School marching band director. And yes. they are going to their state competition tomorrow. At 11.45, they perform at Hilliard High School. Hilliard Darby High School? Hilliard Bradley? I don't know. Look it up. And um, and they're going to go to state competition, and they're going to get a one, and they're going to be awesome. So. I love the passion of the kids when they head in. Yeah. Like, I, I've watched it for years, and... If you've never been to a state band competition, oh, they're fun. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, and and it's cool because the they have like a block that they're performing in, so they're kind of in the morning block that's like from ten to noon. So it's just two hours, and then they're gonna have like a little awards ceremony, and then you'll be all done by twelve thirty, and you can go on with the rest of your day. It's so worth it. Yeah. Or in my case, you can ship your kids off with your sister-in-law and then go and have a <laughs> Halloween party. So that is fantastic. I'm real excited about that too. <laughs> All right, so Molly, tell us about a book or something you've read. What's okay, going on? so this was my birthday guilty pleasure read, which it seems all of my books are guilty pleasure reads, so let's just go with it. There you go. Um, so I decided to read a book that's been on my list forever, the to-be-read list that sometimes you never get to. Yes. I picked up the book Dating Dr. Dill. Um, it is the first book in the If Shakespeare Was an Ante series. Um, I am now anticipating the second book. If Shakespeare were a what? An ante. A-U-N-T-I-E? Yes, an ante. This book is set, as I I tell you, it'll make more sense. This book is set (laughs) in a culture where you have antes who are overly involved in your life. Uh Uh-huh. Let me just tell you really quick, the author is Nisha Sharma. Um, But here's the story, and the antes will make more sense. So... In this story, you have Karina Mann. Karina Mann has been working hard at her passion, which is helping women open businesses. She will put anything into it. She also still lives with her parents at 35. Well, her father and her grandmother and her sister. And one day she gets up. It's her birthday. Everybody's forgotten. And her father announces to her, I'm selling the house. The house that her mother bought and loved and decorated. Um, the reason Karina has not married is because she's looking for a love match. She doesn't just want to get married. She doesn't want in an arranged marriage, which all of her aunties Mm -hmm. are trying to set her up on. She wants to be in love. Mm -hmm. Well, this leads Karina down a path where she meets a man one evening. They start to get together, ends up something weird happens. He leaves her in a weird place. And then the next day... Her sister drags her to a TV show, and she meets Dr. Dill, who was the man from the night before. Oh, no. And Dr. Dill is talking about how love is not real. 
Rude. Which is not the message she had picked up from him. So, of course, she ruins Dr. Dill's show, Mm -hmm. makes sponsors back out on him because he's a cardiologist who talks about love and the impact. And Dr. Dill is trying to raise money for a clinic for people in his own community so that they get the health care they need. Mm. Karina now has to try to buy her mother's house and her aunties get involved because both of them can make the money they need if they only start dating. <laughs> um, I have to say, you know, there's a spicy level on a level of one to ten. I'm taking this one to like a nine. Whoa. This one got spicy. Like, this is not the book you listen to in the car in the summer with your windows down. <laughs> you listen to this one alone. In fact, if you read, read it alone just, just in case somebody can read your it, mind. So this is an AirPod listen. This is an AirPod <laughs> listen. This was um, a little hotter than I expected. I think I keep walking around the library being like, I just finished a hot one. I think I've said it to you like 50 times. Because, <laughs> like, Do people you, know what just happened in my brain? You don't even expe- <laughs> expect it. So this is not for the weak of heart. This is not one of my cozy mysteries or cozy romances at all okay no cozy here no but it is a fun read it is you get lost in their world you love karina you love the relationship with dill he is a lovely man Mm -hmm. but they never show each other the lovely sides until they just can't get out of it karina keeps trying to date yes and dr dill keeps trying to crash those dates what's the what's the romance trope here is it like a forced proximity is it a lovers it's is it uh enemies? lovers to haters to lovers yeah yeah, yeah. okay all yeah. right lovers to haters to lovers and one of them is way more interested than the other and karina only because she really believes in love her mm-hmm. parents had a love marriage and Dr. Dill doesn't even think it's a real thing. Oh, no. So how can he say, I love you? Are we are we fully immersed in the Indian culture here? Yes. Are we in India for this story? No, are you are in, here in the U.S. We're in the United um, States. These are, okay. um, they are uh, first generation okay. um, Americans. Okay. And, but their parents are, of course, they came over. Very and their cool. aunties, oh my God, I love the auntie culture. I love the anti-culture. Yeah. Um, it's one that I wish was something in my culture where they do not leave them alone. <laughs> they do not. You have no choice. Um, oh, and in all of this, her sister's getting married, and her sister is totally a bridezilla. Ugh. So anybody who's looking for, like, just a ridiculously fun read, mm-hmm. you're not, you know, if and you miss a word peppers. or two here, you're still going to be in the book. It was it was really the perfect birthday read for me. I was laughing. My heart was breaking for them. My yeah. heart was joyous for them. It filled all those things, you know. But this is definitely Dating Dr. Dill um, by Nisha Sharma, the first book in If Shakespeare Was an Auntie. Nice. And I can't wait for the second now. Very fun. <laughs> Very fun. Brendan, do you have any recommendations? Well, the uh, most recent book that I finished is uh, nonfiction, um, and it's um, uh, Walter Isaacson's biography of Elon Musk that just came out. And uh, obviously, Elon Musk like compulsively ends up in the news, so uh, we all see the splash of his strange decisions. (laughs) And uh, it's a it's a really enjoyable biography. It's one of those biographies that reads very novelistically. Uh, It's very short chapters. I think over a hundred chapters, so it's broken up into short bits. Very, uh, in my case, listenable. Yes. This, this was my, my commute read for a while there and my, you know, mowing the lawn, washing dishes read. We are very audiobook uh, friendly in this yeah. studio. 100%. <laughs> uh, but um, it, um, it, it, the fascinating thing is, I mean, uh, 
it seems like almost no matter how where you sit in the world, you can find something to be really frustrated with Elon Musk about. But <laughs> uh, but it does well uh, recognizing all of the chaos that the guy creates and yes. the toxic work environment that he tends to create. It also uh, it was really interesting to me. Both um, I have uh, relatives who are very much on the spectrum. And uh, you get a strong sense of some of those elements of Musk's personality, which yeah. uh, drive both his creative side and his destructive side. Oh, and, yeah. and you can see that, I think, in some of the uh, relationships that I've had. You, right. can, you can see those elements coming up. And it was also really interesting to me as kind of as a business read in that you can see that there are some very powerful um, insights that Musk has into the, the engineering process and the creative process of yes. how you solve problems. And yet at the same time, this is mated with a, a uh, I read an interview recently where someone said he is not the smartest person in the world, but he's got to be just about the most focused person in the world. Like yeah. someone who will move into a closet in a factory and, and want, why is it that everyone else is not working here 24-7? <laughs> yes. uh, there's a point when he shows up on a launch pad for SpaceX on a Saturday night at 11 p.m. at night. And he wants to know, why are there only three people here? Uh, yeah. And he starts calling people up, you know, we... Why, why are there not more people working? He's like, dude, right. normal people are not working at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. What Sorry. is wrong with you? Right, right. Unless uh, you want humans to Mars in, like, very near future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. Why so don't it, we all want that? Gage, it, I uh, see that in your eyes there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it really was a, a fascinating and illuminating read. I, uh, I, I came away from it appreciating a lot of things about his process and maybe understanding things more while also getting more of a sense of just some of the complete chaos train Oh, yes. situations he would kick off. It sounds like you, you really, no matter your opinion of him, it, it is a recommended read. Whether you go into it with dislike or like, would you say that if somebody if somebody isn't a big fan, would they get, go into this and then be disappointed by the end? Or would you think they would still be appreciative of the biography? No, I, I think they would definitely be appreciative. And um, I mean, Walter Isaacson's previous, uh, he's written a number of blockbuster biographies, but he also wrote the big biography of mm-hmm. Steve Jobs. Oh, and I think, yeah. again, similarly, someone who, incredibly inspirational, has achieved amazing things and could also just be a complete jerk to be around. Right, 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 right. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, um, it, it definitely, I think, has something for, for critics and, and absolutely something for fans as well. Oh, that's a great, I, yeah. I think that's a great recommendation. I have an irrational dislike of him because of the car Tesla. Um, because my daughter accidentally opened uh, her door into a Tesla at one point, and it wiped out my uh, insurance deductible for the year be- just because of a ding in a door of a Tesla. And I was like, I hate you. And it's it's, it's completely irrational, but it's... It, Whereas I love complete eccentrics. Like, I would love <laughs> yeah. to be a complete eccentric who, like, work for him for a year. Just think the stories you would get if you worked closely oh, with sure. him for a year. Yeah. It would be, you know... Party story fodder for the rest of your life. Not that I'm willing to go through the hardest year of my life (laughs) just to have really good stories, Mm -hmm. but I am. I'm game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was lucky enough. My my book club was uh, recognized that we had a very short amount of time to do our spooky read for this year. And so we voted upon um, a group of short stories written by Stephen King. And the grouping is called Night Shift. You can um, get the whole book together. You can also, you cannot get the whole book Night Shift as an audiobook, but you can get it into, um, if you get the Graveyard Shift, 
uh, read by John Glover, that has portions of the night shift in it. And then there's another audio book that you can get that has portions of the night shift in it. Oh, I love that because then I count them as different books and it sure. makes my Goodreads move up faster. <laughs> I was even thinking, I was like, oh, can I do this at like three? Like I get the graveyard shift and the night shift and the, but I was like, I, I feel like that's cheating a little bit. Um, fun, cool fact about the book. If you do get the physical copy of Stephen King's The Night Shift, it glows in the dark. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I have pajamas that glow in the dark. <laughs> that, that tracks. I'm not really supposed to say that on air, am I? <laughs> that tracks. So um, just a little snippet. They, um, It does have King's traditional, um, you know, spooky element. It doesn't, the ones that I've read so far don't get too deep into horror, but they do get into spooky. So I will say, for example, I just finished Night Surf. It was a 22-minute listen, so I just listened to it on my drive down here. Um, and it's about a post-pandemic society um, where, you know, pretty much 99% of the population is dead. There are three kind of friends who are traveling together. And um, what, what happens when they run into new people and what happens whenever maybe one of their people might be coming down with something. So if you still have anxiety, don't, this may not be the read for you. Don't read Night Surf within, within the night shift. Um, there's another one that is called I Know What You Need. That one is about a woman in college, and she is um, having somebody who just kind of keeps meeting her needs, and she doesn't quite know how he knows. She's studying, and he walks up and bothers her, and she you know, kind of tries to ignore him, and he says, but are you sure you don't want ice cream right now? And she thinks, actually, I did want ice cream. So, you know, just mm. little kind of subtle things like that. I don't know how that could be a horror. I really wish somebody would do that. Just tell you I mean, I could like some time. ice cream right now. <laughs> Does this put this in the universe? Gage, yeah. ice cream? Ice cream. There's <laughs> another one called The Man Who Loved Flowers. Um, it's about a man who seems like the most cartoonish example, almost Pepe Le Pew-esque, of, you know, bounding down the street in love, gathering flowers for the one who he loves, and then takes a very dark turn when we realize who it is, who he loves, and who's standing in his way. And oh. then <laughs> there's The Last Rung on the Ladder, which is almost a sweet childhood story of um, a brother and sister playing in their parents' barn, jumping from the rafters into the hay, um, and the kind of, you know way that that almost ends up in dangerous territory, but they still survive it, but then what that translates to into their adulthood. So it, it has interesting little Stephen King snippets in it, but you can only go so far whenever you have a, you know, 22-page story. So I love a good short, scary story. Now, I, okay, this is the person I am. Those are my favorite things to get when I'm going to be in a cabin in the fall, yeah. in the middle of the woods. Absolutely. And then you can't sleep all night. Yeah. These aren't, I mean, I... I I'm not the greatest horror reader or watcher, um, and these haven't like kept me up at night. But they've kind of just kept my brain like, "Ooh, that's interesting," you mm -hmm. know. So it's very interesting. So this is Stephen King's Night Shift. With that, we are going to take a break, and on the other side of the break, we are going to talk about more spooky things, murder on the murder. Orient Express with Brendan Hodge and Arena Fair Theater. So stay tuned. Welcome back. We are so happy to um, introduce you to our guest this morning. It is Brendan Hodge with Arena Fair Theater, and mm -hmm. they are in the second weekend of their smash hit production, Murder on the Orient Express. We are so happy. <laughs> and you might be wondering, well, why in the heck are we talking about a play on the Off the Shelf Library show? Well, because it's based on a book. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. It's based <laughs> on Murder on the Orient Express by Agatha Christie, who... Mm -hmm. uh, 
I, I had not realized this until I was researching Agatha Christie getting ready for the play, but uh, she still holds the title as the author who has sold more co- more books than any other author in the world. Wow. Take that, James uh, Patterson. So... <laughs> It's uh, it's not J.K. Rowling. There's there's a different British woman who holds the title. Yes, and I bet if you take all of the spinoffs, all of the mm-hmm. movies, all of the plays, all of the adaptations, I bet that really contributes to it. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and she she was incredibly prolific. I mean, mm-hmm. during the 30s and 40s, she was putting out one to two novels every single year. Oh my gosh. Now that's somebody I would like to meet in their prime. Like if you could go back in time, right. meet Agatha Christie and see what in the world was that life like yeah. that she was yeah. uh, just coming up with this stuff. The brain of an author. What's yes. next? What's oh, next? I've got seven things cooking. Right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So give us the synopsis. What is Murder on the Orient Express about? If And if somebody has not seen any of the movies or read any of the adaptations. So it... Uh, centers on Agatha Christie's most famous detective, which is mm-hmm. Hercule Poirot, mm-hmm. who is a Belgian expat who lives in Britain and solves mysteries. And his focus is on kind of psychologically solving mysteries. He he mm-hmm. does process. He'll look at cue, clues and try to th- figure things out scientifically. But his big focus is on understanding why people are doing what they're doing mm-hmm. and putting mm-hmm. together the psychology. Uh, and Poirot has just solved a mystery in uh, the Middle East for the um, French army in Syria. And so he's going to take the Orient Express from Istanbul back to Paris and then on from Paris to um, to the Channel, back mm-hmm. to uh, England. And the Orient Express was, uh, it was kind of the glamour train of Europe. It, it took you from the edge of Asia there mm-hmm. in Istanbul to, to Paris. And it was an incredibly opulent train. It ran <laughs> from the 1880s up until the 1960s. Uh, at which point it was decommissioned. And then it has, in the last uh, 15 years, kind of been resuscitated, I discovered, Aww. as a luxury vacation. So they got hold of wow. a bunch of the old 1930s, 1940s train cars. Life goals. And so you can take, uh, I, th- I guess the most common trip that people take is between Venice and Paris. So it's that's okay. a shorter, like, two-day trip. Lloyd right. Labatee, uh, if you are listening, please write this down. <laughs> But they, they do still do the full Istanbul to Paris trip as well. It's wow. five days oh, wow. and you stop off for luxury dining and, and things like this. So uh, if you've got uh, 15,000 euros sitting around, uh, that could uh, be I'm your gonna next I'm going to need to work on that, but uh, <laughs> I can I can work on that. Yeah. But uh, so in, in the 30s, this was the fastest way to get from Istanbul to, uh, to Paris. And so Poirot gets on the train. It is surprisingly full. The entire first class is full. So there are 12 people in this... Uh, rail car, and then in the middle of the night, the train runs into a snowdrift while it's going through the Balkans. So it stopped on the tracks, and then the next morning, they discover that one of the passengers has been murdered in his compartment with Uh-oh. the door locked. Uh-oh. So we have a detective on the train, Hooray. and Poirot is going to figure out who <laughs> killed this passenger. And so, of course, there is going to be a lively cast of characters. There mm-hmm. are people from all sorts of different places, backgrounds with lots of fun accents. And mm-hmm. so tell us about how the story translates onto the stage. So the the challenge with uh, bringing this to the stage is that it is designed to be kind of a theater spectacle. So we, mm-hmm. we go from, from yes. the hotel restaurant in Istanbul to the train station and we see the train to now we're on the train and we're switching back and forth 
between this Art Deco dining car and these sleeping compartments. And so there was a lot of challenge just in getting it staged. And then also you have a lot of flashbacks because as Poirot is explaining in the big uh-huh. denouement, you know, classic mystery style, he calls everyone into the dining car and explains, Reveal. here's what happened. Yes. <laughs> and so as he's talking through, we're seeing these bits of flashbacks that are happening on the stage, Ooh. even his, as he's explaining what's happening. So it was really fun to stage. There are some very uh, stagey kind of elements there, because in a movie, when you do a flashback, you'll simply show a flashback. On stage, when you're doing that, you need yes. to decide how is it that you're going to show that right. we're seeing something that's in the past right. as opposed to mm-hmm. something that's happening right here. Do we use light? Do we use actors? Yes. Do we use, yeah, what sorts of what sorts of theater tricks can we can yeah. pull today? So what fun. Um, and Costumes, too. Yeah. Costumes. That is a fun time to oh, play yeah, with 1930s. dress. In that Art Deco setting, you had me at Art Deco. Like, that's all you need to know, everybody. Just go to the play now. Exactly. So, yes, we're talking to Arena Fair Theater director of Murder on the Orient Express, Brendan Hodge. The show, tell us about how people can see the show. Yes. So we're at the um, auditorium in the Willis Education Center. So it's right Mm -hmm. there at 74 West William Street. You can Mm -hmm. walk there from downtown. Uh, It's at 7 p.m. this evening, Friday, and also on Saturday. So you can either buy tickets online at arenafair.com or you can just walk up and uh, and pay credit card or cash. Wonderful. $15 nice. a ticket. And, you are uh, making this fun easy. Evening. Yes, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. He said $15 a ticket uh-huh. and credit card or cash. Uh, bring your fan if you're there tonight. Bring your sweater if you're there tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> good. <laughs> the theater. I don't know if I can take much more of this. <laughs> Maybe bring both just in case the theater's uh, temperatures can be finicky. <laughs> yeah, we, we do have in our beautiful vintage uh, yeah. space, we have beautiful vintage climate controls. Yes, you so. yes. <laughs> oh, I love the vintage. Yes. <laughs> it is to yes. go with the costumes. Beautiful You've got to keep it real and That's vintage. Right. Indeed. What has been? What has been one of your favorite uh, stories to share about the about the show? What's 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 just something? If you if we had one more parting word, like I'd want people to know this or this was a fun story. Um, really, the the most fun thing about this has been working with the cast. Uh, we've got a um, our actor Mark Price plays a wonderful Poirot, mm-hmm. uh, and Poirot is he's not the sort of detective you would envision. He, he's sort of a, a small balding fellow with a strong Belgian accent <laughs> who stumps around stage thinking things through, and then his uh, he's in a comedy duo with uh, his best friend, who's the director of the Wagon Lee uh, line, the the manager mm-hmm. of the train. And uh, who's this very florid Belgian who's excited about everything. And then and then just all these crazy characters who are on the train. So we've got yeah. this elderly Russian princess, this American divorcee, who's, mm-hmm. uh, who's this very loud, brash character, and a, mm-hmm. a glamorous uh, female Hungarian doctor. So all these different <laughs> characters. It, it, it's a great, if you're going to lock 12 people in a train and then figure out who committed a murder, it's exactly who you'd right. want to be with. What age is this for? If somebody's thinking about like, could I bring my eight-year-old to this? Where would you Where would you land with a good age span? Um, my six-year-old son has seen it and was kind of uh, bored and climbing around a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you know, as six-year-olds tend to do in live theater. Um, there is a little bit of language in the play, but uh-huh. nothing, mm-hmm. nothing really over the top. Uh, and and there are obviously that there's a murder, murder. there's a suicide murder. that's seen in flashbacks. So there are mm-hmm. there there's some. Somewhat mature things, but it's it's nothing that I would feel concerned about bringing my kids to. So we could get to like a PG, PG-13, mm-hmm. but yeah. for the most part, anything's going to pretty much go over a little one's head anyway. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm asking because I'm solo parenting tonight because, you know, high school haze. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
know. Maybe my girls would want to see that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brendan, for being our guest this morning. Yes. I think this sounds like a wonderful show. If you haven't seen it, go see it. If you have, go again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have one program coming up this week that I want to give a lot of love to. It is the upcoming, um, where did it go? Stuffed Animal Storytime. <laughs> that was a me thing. Thank you. <laughs> it was it, The Stuffed Animal Storytime oh, yes. is on Wednesday, November 1st at the Delaware Main Library. It kicks off at 6 o'clock. Come with your littles. Have them bring a like second favorite stuffy. Um, the stuffies are going to spend the night mm-hmm. and get into shenanigans. And then you can pick them up again um, on Thursday. There are two pickup times on Thursday, one at 1030 and one later in the evening um, at 6 o'clock. And then you'll be able to see what shenanigans your stuffy got into. So. And I want to get a little love. If you like the book talks that we do here on the air, we have the Ostrander Morning Book Club coming up. And it's a great place to sort of get in there and talk about books, learn about some things. So that one is going to be on Wednesday, day after Halloween, mm-hmm. from 11 to 12. Yeah. And they're talking about, um, I think, The Killers of the Flower Moon, which is Or is it The Likeness? Oh, this is The Likeness. Likeness by yeah. Tana French, And then I think. the next one is Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, my mom just finished that again. Movie. I should tell her to head to yes. two clubs and see if they both agree. Ooh, I like mm-hmm. that. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. Gage, thank you for being on the board this morning. Molly, thank you for co-hosting. Brendan, thank you for being our guest. And until next week, we will see you in the stacks.